0: This wonderful prayer that we have been studying is deeper than the way that we have been repeating for many, many years since we memorized it. Jesus was trying to call our attention to God of who he is, his program, talking about his kingdom and his will. In many ways, expecting for us to long for that kingdom to come on this earth and that the will of God that is done in heaven can also be done here. But he's expecting us for us to do the advancement of that kingdom and we continue living that. Then that prayer shifts a little bit from directing ourselves to God for our needs that he can provide. So we're talking about the person. We're talking about the program. We're talking about the purpose. And then he moves to the provision, to the pardon, and to the protection. Those six petitions are included in this prayer. We're going to be focusing on the last portion of that prayer, the petition number five and six. We're going to be talking about pardon, forgiveness, and we're going to be talking about protection, the way that the Lord will protect us from evil, And as you open your Bibles on Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 to 15, we're going to delve in into this wonderful prayer. Jesus is giving us a pattern. He's giving us a priority for this prayer. And this is what he's highlighting here. Just as the bread is essential for our physical needs as we saw the last time, but we are asking God, give us today, our oh Lord, the bread, our bread, the one that, I, that we need. How essential is the material needs, the physical needs for us. The same way, there is a spiritual needs that need to be fulfilled. That's why we need forgiveness. That's why we need protection and guidance from God. Our bodies require sustenance, sustenance from bread while our souls require forgiveness from God and forgiveness for one another. Alexander McLaren once says, God made us to need bread. We have made ourselves to need pardon. And that's true. This means that God provides for our physical needs with bread, and he also offers forgiveness for our sins. If our Heavenly Father loves us and provides for us, the material needs, he is ready and willing to forgive our sins as well. Forgiveness is a crucial topic in the Bible. And it helps us a lot. It helps us to maintain that right relationship both with God and with one another. The same way that we talk about grace, that is vertical grace and horizontal grace, the same way we can talk about Forgiveness is vertical forgiveness. God is forgiving us our sins, but it's also horizontal because the evidence that we have been forgiven it has to extend horizontally to others who wrong us, and we need to be willing to forgive and ask for forgiveness. So as we focus on Matthew six verses twelve to fifteen in this portion of the Lord's Prayer in these last verses. Look how Jesus highlights the connection between the relationship with God and our relationship with one another as believers in Christ. This connection is twofold. First, if we don't recognize our sins and seek God for forgiveness of our sins, that connection is broken. Therefore, our resolved bitterness indicates also The the relationship with God is not working when we are holding grudges to one another. So that is a vertical forgiveness and that is a horizontal forgiveness that we need to be aware. So the big idea of this message is following. Experience God's forgiveness by forgiving others and achieve spiritual freedom by relying on his guidance and protection. The extent to which you can envision God's forgiveness of you will determine the measure or your capacity to forgive others. If you are the kind of person who can forgive but not forget, you need to think twice about how is your relationship with God. It's true. We don't forget. We don't easily forget. God, even though we read it in the Bible, that he forgets our sins as far as the east from the west. Not, noticing that in this section of the Bible, he is not talking about the north from the south. Because you can put, you know, you hand it a north pole and then in the south pole. And it's, you, you can easily measure. But what is the east end? and what is the west ends? God is always willing to forgive. Even... If he says that forget. he doesn't have amnesia. He chooses not to remember. And that's exactly what forgiveness is about. To release the other person for the harm that is done. Just because we want to be in correct relationship with God. Let's see these two sections of this prayer. And the first one is experiencing God's forgiveness by forgiving others. And later we're going to see in what way. We're going to achieve spiritual freedom, but relying on his guidance and protection. There are three things that we need to reflect on this part. We need to see what is the problem, the provision, and then we are going to see the prerequisite for that. The problem is sin. That's the problem. Sin is what separates man from God and therefore is man's greatest enemy and problem. Verse 12 Notice that it says, and forgive our debts. Debt is the word that he's using. Matthew is using the word debts. If you go and look in the equivalent portion of the scripture about the Lord's Prayer, and Luke doesn't say debts. Luke says sins. But debt is another word that we can find here that we owe. Because we missed the mark. We didn't we were able to accomplish God's standard of perfection the way that he was expecting for us to be holy. So we are indebted in many ways. So sin is what separates men from God, and that is the greatest enemy and greatest problem. Sin dominates the individual's mind and heart, and it has contaminated everything in our lives. From the first moment that the first men and women decided to do what is contrary to God's will and were allured by the enemy of God, Satan. From that moment on, Genesis 3 to, uh, until today, it has been a constant desire of God to reconcile men with him. And he provided a plan. He provided a way for them to come to him. And he provided through Jesus Christ. So the problem that we see is our sin. The final effects of sin are death. Romans 3.23 says that we all have sinned. Everyone has sinned. And because of that, we are separated from God. So God is willing to forgive, and this is the provision. This is the solution to the problem. He is willing to forgive. And Jesus is teaching us in this prayer In the first portion of that, and forgive our debts. So we as believers need to understand that God is willing to forgive. He can provide that forgiveness. That is the provision, the forgiveness. But the natural man doesn't want a cure for his sin because he loves darkness more than light. Those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are the ones who have received this wonderful gift, of forgiveness, the forgiveness of sin, they are saved from eternal hell. And this is what theologians might call the judicial pardon. It's a pardon from all sins, past, present, and future, committed by human beings. If we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, the one who took our place on that cross, because we were the ones who deserved to die. But if we believe that what he did on the cross, caring, taking with him, my sin, so he paid for that. And remember, God plays with his own rules. Sin equals death. So somebody has to pay for that debt that is owed to him. And whoever sins, the consequences of sin is death. And it was Jesus Christ the one who went to the cross and paid for that debt and paid it in full. There is nothing that we can add to that debt. So, if you are a believer in Christ, if you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you have been forgiven. That's the provision that God has for you, that's the judicial pardon that you receive. But this is an interesting thing. Jesus, in this portion of the prayer, Is not talking about that judicial pardon, even though it's included. The explanation in the context about the daily provision of bread is a daily need for forgiveness. You might say, what does that mean? That means that I need to ask for my sins every day? Yes and no. Yes, because obviously we need to ask God, for forgiveness for our sin. But it's not the original sin. It's not a sin that was sending us to hell. When we trust him as Christians, when we believe in him, we were forgiven completely. Sins, past, present, and future. So the sins that we're talking about here is more relational sins, more fellowship sins, more familiar sins. Remember, he's... Helping us to see this prayer directed to God the Father. As the creator of the world, as the King of kings, He has been forgiving us from our sin. But as a Father, He constantly, constantly is taking us under disciplinary action until we recognize that we sin every single day. And that's the problem. Because totally, even though we don't want it, Somehow, we are committing transgressions. We are sinning. We are sinners, not only by birth, but by election as well. So this is the sin that we're talking here about here. The sin, the familiar sin that needs cleansing. So in other words, Jesus is asking us, you need to ask the Lord to cleanse you every day. Remember when Jesus was with his disciples in the Last Supper? In the Last Supper, he was talking with them in the upper room. And suddenly he get up, remove his coat, and then put a towel around his waist and get a, 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 you know, jar of water and and, and some kind of a platter. And he started washing the disciples' feet. He was doing one by one. And everybody was looking at that because that's not normal. You know, normally because they walk everywhere and they're using sandals and the dusty roads might cause many of them, you know, they have not only sweaty feet but stinky feet. (laughs) So when they get into a place, they don't have tables like us, they don't have chairs like us, they need to lie on the floor so they can eat. And many times they're reclined and the feet are going to be in the face of somebody else. So it's a customary thing that they wash their feet. But normally it is the servant who does that for the guests. Not the guest of honor doing that for everybody else. So they were surprised that Jesus was washing their feet. And remember what happened when he got to Peter? He said, well, no, you don't do that to me, Lord. No, how, no how, I, it's me the one who got, we need to wash your feet. Peter, let me wash your feet. No, Lord, how? And I don't know why the other ones let you do that, but I'm not going to do that to you, Lord. If you don't let me do this, you're not going to have part with me. And he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about participation. He's talking about communion. He's talking about fellowship. If you don't let me clean you, you cannot have communion with me. The Lord is saying, Oh, in that case, Lord, not only my feet. Wash me all over. Give me a bath. No, Peter, you already have been clean. It's your feet the one that are stinky. So let me wash your feet so you can have part with me. So this is what carries the heaviness in this prayer. The way that we ask God for daily bread, we need to ask Him also for daily forgiveness, because we need it. Our soul needs it, because every single day, by any means, we are failing God, either a white lie, even a exaggeration, even a an anger, even a being upset. Remember the one that hates his brother is committing sin because it's like, it's like killing his brother in his mind. The one who sees someone with lust is committing adultery in his mind. And those are sin. So we are always committing sin and increasing that debt. So this is the prayer is telling us we need to ask God for forgiveness In 1 John 1, 9, we read, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To confess basically means to agree with. And when we confess our sins, we agree with God that those sins are wicked, evil, degrading, and that they do not belong to those who belong to him. So it is difficult to confess sins. And both Satan and our pride finds against it. But well, we need to humble ourselves. And we need to do the practice. It's so interesting that this prayer is between two amazing passages of the scripture that talks about forgiveness. The first one that talks about, you know, what we owe to him. And the second one, the formula that he is providing to those who need to ask for forgiveness. In Matthew 18, he's saying, if you are coming to give your offering and remember that something, you have something against someone, leave your offering in the altar and go and reconcile with your brother and then come and offer. And then the second one is talking about the formula. In Matthew 18, says, if you have something against somebody, Talk to this person. If he's not listening to you, bring someone else. If he's not listening to the two of you, then bring it to the church. Sometimes we love to do that when we apply discipline, but we never go to step one. We go to the step two or three. We always bring somebody in, then confront people, instead of doing exactly what he says. The point is, Jesus here is telling us, one thing is when we are reflecting in the forgiveness that we receive from God, which is huge, the other one is that you need to remember you need to be constantly being clean asking God for forgiveness from the sins of commissions those who you know you are committing and the sins of omission those that you sometimes are not aware that you're committing because if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it it, that one is might be counted for you as a sin So we are constantly sinning. So that's the provision. The the, the forgiveness that we receive, the judicial forgiveness, and this is the other forgiveness that we have. But this one is conditional. It has a prerequisite. And this is what we can find in the second portion of verse 12. When we say, and forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You realize that? In the same manner that we forgive our debtors, please forgive us. We are asking God, treat us the way that we treat others. So that means that if I'm not willing to forgive, I'm asking the Lord, so God, you are not willing to forgive me either. The last time I mentioned to you that parable about the two servants, the one that was forgiven a large amount of money. Thousands, if not millions of dollars. And the king forgave him his debt. He canceled his debt. And he was so happy because it was a debt that was eternal. Never to be paid. And then he get out and he was happy. And he saw a fellow servant like him who owed him probably $20. Well, maybe $200. And then he said, hey, you owe me $200. I promise, I will, pay, I will pay to you. No, no, I want it now. I'm going to put you in prison. So he sent it to the church's prison, to the debtor's prison. But people were watching. And they were, ta- they were told the king, and, and the king says, you know what? They told the king, the guy that you forgive, that debt, he was not willing to forgive a very small person in comparison with that debt from his fellow And he put him in prison. So he called him. And he says, you are a wicked servant. I forgive you something that you will never going to be able to pay me. And you were not able to forgive to your fellow servant, to your fellow companion, just for something that is possible to be paid. I will take you whatever I give you. I'm going to put you in prison with the tormentors. That's an interesting story because that is uh, in some ways what the Lord Jesus would use to illustrate this particular phrase. So the prerequisite for, for, for our forgiveness, for our cleansing, for the Lord to forgive us our sins is that we are able to forgive others. There is a postscript in this passage in verses 14 and 15 at the end of this section that we can put it next to verse 12 because it goes along with this. And it says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Just stop for a moment and think about this. We are forgiven because forgiveness is the character of righteousness, and therefore, a faithful Christian's, a citizens of kingdom. The one who has been blessed by the forgiveness of the judicial sin, pardon, the original sin, but also the cleansing. Has to show the same type of forgiveness to others. Pastor Jackson Doll said, one, one time wrote, we are most like beasts when we kill. We are most like men when we judge. But we are more like God when we forgive. And that is true. We still fail to be consistent with, with that characteristic, but we need to be constant exhorting this because, because this is exactly what we need to do. We're reflecting what the Lord Jesus Christ was able to do for us. We are also motivated because Christ's example. Paul expressed this in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Just as Christ God forgave you. This is the condition. God forgave you the huge debt that you have. And therefore, you can receive forgiveness for your relational debt. But the prerequisite is you need to be willing to forgive those who harm you. So forgive others, also free us from the conscience of guilt. Those are the tormentors that Jesus was referring in the parable. Those are the prisons, the debtor prisons that he was thinking about. Doubt mindfulness. Imagine that you are having grudges towards somebody. If you are feeling that way, this is a great recipe for you. Got one of those Ziploc bags, a big one. Put a potato inside. Put the name of the person that you are feeling angry with, that you cannot forgive. Put it in that Ziploc bag. You might be, maybe you going to put two or three, just in case. Close it, put it in a hidden place, in, you, in the backpack that you use, and carry it with you all the time. Eventually, when you remember something, open that Ziploc bag, and through the days that you're carrying those things inside the bag, you start seeing how those potatoes are decomposing and it smells terrible. Believe me, smell smells terrible. This is exactly what happens internally when you are holding grudges, when you don't want to forgive. And this is a great reminder that You might say that you are okay with the Lord, but God is not okay with you. Because if you say that you are in a correct relationship with him, because he has been forgiving you, you accepted his forgiveness, but you are not willing to forgive your fellow Christians, then the Lord says, you are not understanding what forgiveness is all about. Because you need to be able to forgive others the same way that you have been forgiven. So this is the implication of this fellowship. If you cannot do it, you just do your part just because it's right. Remember, we're not talking about here restoration. We're talking about here reconciliation. You do your part. A bridge is built in two sides. You cannot build a bridge only one side. You want to be obedient to the Lord, you be willing, even though you don't feel like it, just because he's right, you extend that forgiveness, or you ask for forgiveness, and you do your part. It's the other person's chance to build from the other side. If that person doesn't want it, it's not up to you. It's between that person and the Lord. But you do your part. And remember, God is the one who built bridges. He can help you do that. Rely on the Holy Spirit to enable you to forgive. Forgive literally means to release To let go of, Simply put, forgiveness is letting of my right to hurt you for hurting me. So in the New Testament, the word forgiveness was used primarily to describe the release of someone from a financial obligation. Forgiveness gives us the right to hurt back. When you forgive someone, you're saying, what the person did to me was wrong. He was Hurt me, he, he has hurt me deeply and deserves to pay for his offense. But today I am releasing him from that obligation that has to me. I am not forgiving him because he has asked to be forgiven or deserved to be forgiven. I am forgiving him because of the tremendous forgiveness God has offered to me. Just because of that. Does biblical forgiveness work like a charm? Not necessarily. It's difficult. But God is calling us not to do easy things, but to do the right things. And this is what is right for him. So recognize the personal benefit of forgiveness. So number two, achieve spiritual freedom by relying on God's guidance and protection. On purpose, I left verse 13 at the end because it fits perfectly here. Rely on God's guidance and protection, verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a very interesting passage. You might say, so God is leading us into temptation? Remember that we just finished the study on James, and James mentioned it? Nobody can say that God is tempting anybody. The same word that is used for temptation is the same word that is being used for trial and testing. God is allowing us to go through a time of testing, not because he wants to know how much we know. It's because he wants us to know how much we learn from him. But he's allowing us to go through a time because testing produces, do you know what? Patience. And every time that that I use the word, that I hear the word patience, I become impatient. Because I don't like that. So be careful when you ask God, God, give me patience because the Lord will answer to you right away. You know how? He's going to give you the worst thing, problem you can imagine. You can develop the patience that he already gave it to you. Remember the gift of the Spirit in Galatians 5? Can you repeat it with me? Love. Got it. So you have it. But you haven't exercised it. So the Lord will help you. So you can exercise the patience that he already gave to you when you trusted in Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful way to exercise your patience when you are willing to forgive others who have wronged you. Prior to the time of the New Testament, this word only meant testing and trial. But now we understand that it's becoming crucial to see it that those moments of testing is for your own benefit, for your own good. But at the same time, the enemy of God, Satan, even though here it says evil, the evil one, says in other manuscripts, is coming and use that situation to tempt you, to induce you, to take you away. So what this means, Jesus is telling you, you need to pray this way. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Meaning, no, God is not leading you into any temptation. Lord, if you want, somehow, if you would like for me not to go through this testing period, because you know how weak I am, please help me. Spare me the problem. It's the same kind of prayer that Jesus did in Gethsemane. He was facing a tremendous pressure. He was there... He was sweating, drops of blood, and he was asking the Lord, Lord, if you want, you can, if you wish, you can pass this cup from me. But not my will, Lord, your will be done. In some way, he's saying, Lord, please don't put me in a situation where I'm going to be tested, knowing how weak I am that I'm going to fail. But not my will, Lord, your will, knowing that you will be with me. Just protect me. From the one who will take that opportunity to tempt me to fail you, which is the enemy. And this is exactly what he's praying. You're asking for deliverance from the temptation that comes a long ways. But you're asking for protection for the ones who knows you better than anybody else besides God. And knows exactly what is the weak point that you have. Jesus himself was put into test. And he was tempted was Satan. In Matthew 4, Satan himself was testing him. And the way that he responded was always quoting the scriptures, was always quoting, which is a great reminder for us that if you don't want to be in those circumstances, be willing to pray, be willing to read, be willing to obey God's word. So God's protection lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word here, it can mean testing, in this case it can mean temptation this is another paradox of the bible we know that trials are means for our spiritual moral emotional growth yet we have no desire to be in a place where even the possibility of sin can increase so my father if it's possible let this cup pass from me jesus said and this is in some ways what the lord is asking us you can ask the lord please lord don't put me in that situation but if i have to go Give me the strength and the protection. And he did. Ephesians 6, he provided an armor, a full armor for you. And in that armor, everything is for you to protect your body, your mind, your soul. But there are two weapons that he's given you to resist temptation, to resist the devil. is prayer and the word of God. Those are the two things that you need. Resist the devil is not... Carrying something heavy on your shoulder because you're resistant. No, that's not resistant. When you talk about military language, resistant is, is getting the army that you have, even though it's smaller, and go with everything you have against the enemy. You are resisting the opposition. That is what the word resist the devil means. But you're not doing it under your own strength. You're doing it with the strength that God is giving you through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, do not even bring us to this situation. Such a deception we cannot resist, but allow us. Remember what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says? God is faithful, Paul says, who will not, so, who will not let you be tempted. Think about this. God is faithful, who will not such... So for you to be tempted above what well, you can able to resist. Because he always will provide for you the exit door for you not to fall into temptation. This is the most misquoted verse of the Bible for many believers. They say that God will not give you anything that you're resist. You see, this is misquoted in the scripture. He always going to give you an exit for you not to be tempted if you ask the Lord, please help me, Father, not to be tempted. So instead of you saying, "Lord, please help me, please help me, uh, help me on this situation. I, I want to push this box, but help me, I don't want to push it. I'm tempted to do that, but th- I'm not going to push it. Lord, I'm not going to push it. Please help me, please help me. Lord, why you did that to me? If you know that you're weak and you can be tempted in a situation, don't go there. If that late at night is difficult for you to see some explicit materials in your internet, don't go there. If you are consumed with the idea to share the latest news to your friend, that friend, just don't go with her or with him. Don't put yourself in a situation where you know you're going to fail. So Jesus is telling you, Lord, help me. Not to be in a situation that I'm so weak that I can fail you and fall into temptation. But you need to cooperate with God. Because if you're going to walk that way, you're going to fail. But God can give you a way out. And pay attention because many times when you feel tempted to do something that is wrong in the eyes of the Lord... There is always something. Somebody contact you. Somebody call you. Somebody is looking for you. Something is happening. It's a way out. You just need to be aware that God is giving you an exit, a way out for you not to be tempted. And then when that happened, look what happened in verse 13b. There is an amazing situation when you are under God's protection. They are part of this original And it's like the doxology. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Because the entire prayer is helping you. You honor God because who he is. He's your father. His name is holy. You honor God because he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And you are willing to submit yourself to that kingdom and your father to obey him, to do his will. You are in the right track. Now you can ask him for your daily needs. One, Lord, give me something for my stomach, but give me something for my soul. Because I don't want to fail you. I want to advance your kingdom. I want to do your will. And that's exactly what we need to do. That's what this prayer is all about. So I'm going to give you three assignments as an application, as a reminder for you. First, you are never closer to the grace of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, that when you confess your sins to him, come to him confident. Tell him. You're not talking about the sins that Adam committed. You're talking about the daily sins that you need to confess. If we could, we can open a little box somewhere there and open a confessionary for you to make it easier. But I will be overwhelmed just by listening to many things. So just do it on yourself. You got a better priest, which is Jesus Christ. Go to him and confess your sins. Number two, you are never more like Jesus than when you forgive those who have sinned against you. Do you want to be like Jesus? Become a, a great forgiver. So he gives so you can forgive. Jesus was forgiving, a forgiving man. He came to create a race of forgiving men and women. And if you are a, uh, a follower of Christ, you are a forgiving man and women. Number three: you will never fully enter into your freedom in Christ until you learn the freedom of forgiveness, to release others for the harm that they do to you, by you choosing not to react, by you choosing to forgive. And what a way wonderful way to go through a great moment. When you were coming to through these doors, you receive a cup with bread and with the Jews. This is the best example of forgiveness that we can ever imagine. We were the ones who deserved to go to that cross and die because of our sins. But you know what? God made a way for you not to be condemned eternally. Recognizing that you are a sinner, understanding what the problem is, but also being aware of the provision the Lord is giving you the forgiveness that you need if you confess your sins this is a moment so I will ask you for a couple of seconds to close your eyes the Lord probably already is using the Holy Spirit to tell you this is something that you need to do so take this moment to confess between you and the Lord that thing that is holding you right now for His communion if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, you are invited to partake of communion today. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ yet, I will ask you to pass the cup for now and then we can explain to you how can you come become a follower of Christ. But if you are a believer and you are seated at the table, just ask the Lord Jesus Christ to clean up your feet. Just tell him, Lord, this is something that I have that is, is an obstacle for me right now. It, it, it's, it's causing me strife. I want you to forgive me for this very thing. I want to release it, Father. If, if this is something that you have done to somebody else, just tell them to the Lord. And promise that in some way you're going to try to find a way to reconcile. But this is something that somebody did to you. Release it to the Lord, saying, Lord, I'm gonna give this to you. I'm not gonna be carrying like a sack of potatoes with me. I wanna be free spiritually and willing to forgive. Just tell them to the Lord at this moment. Oh Lord, have mercy on us. Because we are sinners we are sinners by birth and we are sinners by choice we know father that even though we have been forgiven for our sins past present and future we live in this body in this flesh and that flesh enjoys to be doing what is opposite to what you like for that father forgive me you know what I have done I just confess that to you today because I need your forgiveness. I want to establish that fellowship with you, Father. I know that I'm I'm with you. I know that by sinning, I don't lose my sonship. You're still my father. I'm still your son or daughter. But this is the fellowship. This is the communion that is broken when I sin. And that sin, Father, is what I'm going to confess right now. Please forgive me. I need it. I need it right now. I ask you this in your son, Jesus. Amen. The Lord was uh, meeting with the disciples in the upper room, and he took a piece of bread, and he broke it in front of them and passed it along, and he told everybody, this represents my body. My body will be given for you for the forgiveness of your sins so every time that you eat this piece of bread you are remember me you will remember what I'm done you will remember what I had done so eat this in remembrance of me eat the bread Oh, sweet Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving up your life for me. I don't deserve it. There is no way that I can win your favor. And not every good deed will help me to earn anything. You love me because you want to love me. You accepted me exactly the way that I am. And the best proof of that is the love of Jesus for you and for us as he gave up his body to be broken as this piece of bread. Fill us, Father, with your bread, the heavenly bread, the one that will never cause us to be hungry anymore. Father, thank you for Jesus and what he did. the same way, the Lord lifted the cup, and he told the disciples, This cup represents a new covenant. The blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins is the fruit of the grapes that fill out this cup. This is a new era. This is the grace in which we are going to be relating one another. So every time that you drink from this cup, not only remember what, what what I will be doing, what Jesus has done, but you will be announcing to the world that I'm coming back and I will fulfill this new covenant completely. Let's ring. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great reminder. Let us be the answer to Jesus' prayer when he was in that steps, in the southern steps by the temple. When he was asking us, Father, that we can be protected by the evil one, because he knows us well. But the evil one, as powerful as he is, is not as powerful as Jesus is. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us through this wonderful prayer that you know how weak we are, but we, Father, have the power that was able to resurrect Jesus from the dead and is your Holy Spirit. As we drink from this cup, Father, as we reflect on the covenant relationship with him, we want to thank you, Father, for being so merciful, for being so good and gracious, but also for fulfill your promises. You promise to be with us and you send your Holy Spirit. And is your Holy Spirit the ones that will continue helping us to fill us in, to be more like Jesus every day and to clean us from our sins, daily sins. Thank you, Father, for this great reminder that you are with us and you would like for us to be with you in your spirit. And one day, Father, but you come to fulfill forever your promise to be you. for us to be with you, whatever you are. We're recognizing that prayer this prayer is not just articulating words, this prayer is actually having communion with the person, with the one who is the all powerful and all knowledge, the one who deserves our worship and our praise. And that's exactly what we want to do, Father we end this time together. We want to open our lips and shut our lungs, Father, sharing the words that come from our mouth to honor you, to worship you. Because you are the one who deserves everything. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help us to be forgivers. Help us to be forgiven daily. It's in Jesus that we pray. And everybody says, Amen.